Have you ever looked at somebody who asks you a question and you, well, there's an app for that? Ever had that? Let, let, me, let me tell you what there are apps for. There are, there's an app for if you go to a concert and you forget your Bic lighter, there's an app for that. You can download a Bic lighter, hold it up, and wave it. Now, I, you, you're all looking real religious right now, like you don't have a clue what I'm talking about. All right? There's an app, I'm told, that you can download that tells you at a movie when to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and if you go during that time, it will tell you what's going on in the movie so you don't miss anything. Some of you have that. <clears throat> There's an app for if you're going to date someone that you can check them out before you ever go out some of you need to download this one. <laughs> There's an app for that. You know what? Before there ever was an iPhone or before there ever was any kind of mobile device, the Word of God gave us some apps. It's called the book of Proverbs. It's written by what the Word of God says, the Bible says, is the wisest man who ever lived. And so we've been talking over the past few weeks. In fact, if you notice on our intro the past three weeks, we've had a guy named Mike. And the day we figured out we wanted to make this an equal opportunity. And so today we had Ashley. So we've got Mike straight in the last three weeks. Now we're going to start helping Ashley out, all right? So would you take your Bibles and go to the book of Proverbs, the 16th chapter, and the 32nd verse. And as you're doing that, let me say hello to our campuses that are joining us. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. And it is always an exciting opportunity to be able to join you as you worship at each campus, knowing that we are one church, many locations. I believe God has a word for you, so let's get ready to receive what God says today. The book of Proverbs, the 16th chapter, and verse 32 says this, Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control. Can you say that? Self? Wow, let's try that again. Self-control. But one with self-control than one who takes a city. Now, here's what we're going to be talking about today. The long title of this is, we're going to be talking about breaking free from my past. Let me ask a question. How many of you have a past? Okay, some of you didn't hear the question. <laughs> if you are breathing at this moment, if you're older than, I don't know, a nanosecond, you have a past. I wasn't asking for the, you know, dirty, nasty stuff. I just said, how many of you have a past? That's all of us. We all have a past because we're here and, and we're living in time and history keeps moving. Now, here's, here's what I know is, is that all of us, breaking free from our past, all of us have, and we're going to kind of bring it down. In fact, you got a card today or should have when you came in uh, that had the word habits on it and had this scripture on it. Today, we're going to talk about uh, habits. Now, let me say this to you about habits. Here's what a habit is. A habit is a usual manner of behavior, okay? When we think of habits, we always think of something negative. Some habits are really good. I hope you have the habit of getting up and brushing your teeth. I hope you have the habit of taking a shower. I hope you have the habit, you know, of putting on a little deodorant. I hope you, you know, we all appreciate those things that you are in that habit of doing that. A habit is just a behavior pattern acquired by frequent repetition. That's what habits are. And so there, there are a lot of great habits that we have in our life, a lot of things that we do day in and day out. I mean, going to church on Sunday, that's a great habit. 
an even better habit, an even real more spiritual habit is when you come on Wednesday night. Ooh, let's keep moving, all right? And, and you know, all these habits that we have in our life. But how many of you know that as, as many good habits as we have, sometimes it's those bad habits that have a way of kind of ruining the good things that are happening in our life. Now, let, let me say this to you. Our habits make up our character, all right? If you want to know what your character is, look at your habits. So our habits make up our character, and our character dictates our life. If you want to know why people are doing certain things in their life, it's because of a habit. It's because of something that's going on in their life. And, and we, we may not see it on the, on the surface, but, but it's behind the scenes that they are doing something. Something is happening in their life. As I did research for this study, uh, as I began to look at it, I found out uh, there, there, there's one list that lists over 500 bad habits. Think about that. Some of you think, I got 499 of them. Over five, I mean, I mean, some of them were just, you know, just not, I mean, they were bad habits, you know, biting your nails, cracking your knuckles, fidgeting, you know, those kind of things, showing up late all the stinking time. <laughs> now we'll get to meddlings. I need to leave that one alone. Those are habits. We're just kidding. But, but there, were, there were also the habits of, 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 you know, abusing alcohol or drugs or pornography and on and on and on, adultery. All, all these are over 500 habits. Now, let me say this to you. Even though you are a Christian, even though you are a believer, even though you've come into relationship with Jesus Christ, hear me carefully, it does not mean that you don't have some habits that need to be conquered. Now, I want to say this to you. I do believe that there are times that people get saved, and in a moment, God delivers them from some horrible things in their life. I believe that happens. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful to know people who have been instantly delivered from some habit that was controlling their life. But what I have found to be more the truth in people's lives is that even though they become Christians, they find themselves still struggling with habits that are controlling their life at some level that they are not happy with. So today I want to help us uh, to begin to drill down into this as we look at the book of Proverbs and other scriptures of how that you and I go about handling the habits that we have in our life. Uh, it's estimated by those who study this, it's estimated that most things become habitual within 21 to 28 days of repeated action. If you do something every day for three to four weeks, it pretty well becomes a habit. Think about this. How many of you learned to drive uh, on, a, on a, a standard car where, where you had to shift the gears? How many of you learned that? Now, how many of you know that when you first started that, you were having to think it? I mean, you're thinking, okay, got to put my, my foot on the clutch. Got to put my hand on the shifter. Got to put, get, let my foot off the accelerator. I got, and I got to, you know, I got to ease it out and I got to push down and I got to shift and just get wore out thinking about it, don't you? Right? And the first few times you did it, that car jumped 18 feet. Because you popped that clutch and that thing jumped in the gear and it, you know, and, and whoever was teaching you said, no, 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 that's not how you do it. It's not. But, you know, after a day or two, hopefully, uh, hopefully after a week, uh, you kind of got it down. And, and now if you're still driving that same kind of car, you don't even think about it. You shift. You don't, you don't even have to look. You're not looking at the RPMs. You just hear the sound and you don't even think about it. I ride a motorcycle. I don't even think. I don't look at the, the tachometer. I just hear the sound of the revving of the motor and know when to change gears on that. So, so it's, it's that habitual. 
habits. God created us with the ability uh, to, to do things by habit, and that's not a bad thing. The bad thing is, is when we get a, things get a hold of us that are detrimental to our lives. A few months ago, I picked up a book uh, in an airport. I was flying somewhere, and, and I walked into a book. I always like to read when I'm on an airplane. And I picked up this book, and the title of the book is called The Power of Habit. And that's a business book. Uh, it's called Why We Do What We Do in Life and in Business. And, uh, and if you are interested in those kind of things, I would encourage you to, to get this book. Uh, but, but he makes a statement in here that I want you to understand as we kind of drill down into this today. And I want everybody to listen carefully because I'm going to read. I don't normally do that, but I'm going to read a paragraph to you that I want you to get. Here's what he says. Neuroscientists have traced habit-making behaviors to a part of the brain called the basal ganglia which also plays the role. Now listen to what he says. This part of the brain plays the role in the development of emotions, memories, and pattern recognition. Where you get to that place, where habits are formed, is with your emotions, it's pattern recognition, and it's your memories. That's where emotions and, and all those things come to play in your habits. Now he goes on to say, decisions, meanwhile, are made in a different part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex. Now listen, listen to this next statement because this is what I want you to hear. Here's what he says. As soon as behavior becomes automatic, the decision-making part, the prefrontal cortex, the decision-making part of the brain goes into a sleep mode. Now think about it for a minute. You say, why did you read all that? Because you need to understand that, that you are dealing with a brain problem. I mean, somebody's told you that before. <laughs> they've, they've asked you, where is your brain? Right? Now, now get this today. Here's what happens to us is, is that what we started, we don't mean for it to be a habit, but some kind, this habit starts. And people look at us and say, why do you do that? It's because you have a habit of doing that. You, you are in this cycle. If, if you were to stop, your, if you were to think about it consciously, you wouldn't do that. But you, that part of your brain that makes decisions is asleep. Because you have now formed a routine in your brain that brings you to a complete stop in the part of your brain that will help you to make the right decision. You say, Pastor, that doesn't sound very spiritual. Well, it's very spiritual, and we'll get into it in a minute. You know, here's what I found. Individuals and habits are all different. That's why it's fun to judge, isn't it? <laughs> right? Because we see somebody else who has a, has a habit or a problem that we don't have, and guess what do we do? Well, I can't believe. You see that guy? I can't believe how drunk they are. As we sit there with 18,000 calories on our plate. Uh-oh, I've already gone to meddling, huh? Right? I've already gone to that place where I shouldn't have gone. See, we, we, we all have this. See, each person's habits are, are driven by different cravings. One person has this craving, another person has this craving, on and on and on. But, but it's, it's not the same. And so our, our issue is, especially as Christians, our, our deal is, is that we have a tendency to look at somebody else and, and judge them for what they're going through in that moment. Now, let, let, me, let me drill down and help you understand how habits work. And then from there, we're going to get into a biblical solutions of how to live out of this place 
where we're being destroyed, okay? Habits have basically three components, and I want you to get this because I think this will help some of you, all right? Number one is what's called the trigger. The trigger tells your brain to go into automatic mode. All right, it's, it's that, and, it, and it, can be a, it can be a situation, it can be something you're watching, it, it can be the people you're hanging out with, but, but how many of, don't raise your hand, but, but <laughs> I don't want you to get quite honest to this point, all right, uh, but, but how many of you know it? sometimes you're doing really good until you get with certain people, and then all of a sudden you find yourself back in to a habit that you had given up. All right? Why? Because they're your trigger. It can be a person. It can be an individual. It can be a situation. Uh, it can be an emotional upheaval in your life. You know, maybe you're doing good. Maybe you've, uh, you've been dealing with, with a life-controlling substance that's had control of your life, and, and you, you go through uh, a 12-step program, or you go through some help, uh, however you get that help, and, and you're, you're doing really good. Maybe six months, 12 months, a year, uh, two years down the road, and all of a sudden something happens, and you find yourself back in that place. What happened? Something triggered it. It's just that quick. And you know what? Because the decision part of your brain's asleep, you don't have to think about that habit. So there's the trigger. Secondly is the routine. The routine is what you do in that moment. It can be physical, it can be mental or emotional. It, it, it doesn't, it's, it's different. If it's an anger issue, it's going to manifest itself in emotion. Uh, if it's a pornography issue, it's going to manifest itself another way. Whatever the issue is, it, it comes in that moment, and then you get into that routine of whatever the issue is, whatever this habit is that I'm struggling with. And then the third part of this whole process, because it really, every habit boils down to these three things. There's been enough research done, hear me carefully, every habit boils down to these three things. There's trigger, there's routine, and finally, number three, there's reward. We get something out of it. Keeps you coming back for more. There's a rush. There's a dopamine release. There, uh, there, there's a feeling that happens. There's, there, there's a mind-altering something. That, but we, the reason we come back is because there is a little bit of reward. We may say we hate it. But there's still a reward that brings us back. And so we keep going through it. We keep finding ourselves. Now, it's interesting how quiet the services have been today. <laughs> because most of us, if we are honest, would have to say, you know what? I am dealing with some habits in my life that are not what I want them to be. And, and so it, it's kind of like, I don't want anybody to look at me and read my mind. Because I don't want them to know where I'm at. So let's, let's get into the Word. That'll make you feel better, right? Let's find out how that the Bible gives us direction and how to overcome these habits that are controlling our lives. Go to the book of Proverbs, the seventh chapter. And, uh, and I want to read, again, I'm going to read more Scripture today than I normally do in a sermon, but there's a reason for it, so please go with me. The book of Proverbs, the seventh chapter, beginning in the sixth verse, uh, Solomon talking to his son here, he began, now he's talking about uh, an adulterous woman here, but this works across the board, okay? He says, at the wind of my house, I looked down through the lattice. I saw among the simple. I noticed among the young men a youth who had no sense. Youth, you might ought to read that. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the dark night set in. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. Drop down to verse 21. 
With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, now listen to what he said. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose, till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Number one, you ready? Number one, become aware of your triggers. What is it? What Solomon is saying here is that the trigger is this guy's in the wrong place at the wrong time associating with the wrong person. That's the trigger. And in that moment, this guy's going to wind up and he is going to have his brains beat in. Right? He said he's, he's like an ox going to a slaughter. You ever seen cattle and stuff being slaughtered? Now, let, me, let me read you what the Bible says about this, okay? The book of James, and, and this is not in your notes, but the book of James chapter 1 verse 13 says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person, listen to what he says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Now listen to verse 15. Then, after they're drug away, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it is full grown, gives birth to death. That's the process of habits. That's the process. It's, it's like we get enticed, we get there, we enjoy it. And, and listen, how many times in the moment, whatever, listen, don't look, again, look, look real holy. It's okay. In, in the moment we're enjoying it, it's feeling good, there's this thing way back here going, you shouldn't be doing it, but we're going, ah, oh, man, I'm not, because it's so good. And then, in the instant that it's over, death sets in. Death to our relationship with God. Death to everything that we believe God for. In in that moment, death has crept in. And, And here's what we do in that moment. In that moment, we pray a prayer. You ready? We've all prayed it. Don't, don't, Don't miss it. Here's what we prayed. God, if you'll forgive me, I will never now you prayed that prayer too I'll never do it again and watch this at that moment you mean that at that moment you are not going to ever do it again but remember your decision maker is asleep and you put yourself in the right place Again, and I promise you, you are going to find yourself going through the same thing over and over and over again. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So there's got to be that whole aspect there that, that comes with that. Okay, look in Proverbs chapter 9. We're just going to, we're going to drill down, and there's five of these. You ready? Five of these we're going to talk about today. Proverbs chapter 9. Yes, I hear the PA. Proverbs chapter 9. Just acknowledging it for all of you who are freaking. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. I don't know if that's the wind of the Holy Spirit blowing through the... Maybe it is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, 
and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Did you hear me? Let me read it again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Number two is this. You have to replace evil with good. All right? Let me, let me help you. You don't break bad habits. Proven fact. We all say, I'm going to break this bad habit. No, you have to replace that habit. You have to replace evil with good. The Word of God's clear about that. Ephesians 4.22 says, You were taught with regard for your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Got it? And then it goes on, as, as, and it begins to talk to us even after we are renewed in our mind. The attitude of our mind is renewed. It goes on to say, And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That's what we're doing, is that we are at that point where we are now shifting. We're putting good stuff in, all right? That's why diets don't work. Diets don't work. It's proven fact. Diets do not work. Why? Because you starve yourself of everything you want, everything you like, until you, got, you, know, you get to that weight that you're wanting, and then guess what you start doing? You start eating everything you like. <laughs> Six months later, Year later, and so we spend our lives. I'm on a diet. Hallelujah. Over and over and over and over and over and over. And if we're not careful, some of you have tried everything from Adkins to, you know, you name it. You've tried them all. The cabbage patch diet. No, it wasn't cabbage patch. Sorry. Uh, you, you tried everything. I'm, I'm going to lose this weight. Listen, until you add some things into your life, you're going to have to add eating right. You're going to have to add exercising. You're going to have to add some areas of discipline to whatever it is. That, if, if you, you're never going to break it because, you know, but I'm going to eat 200 calories a day. Really? 200 calories a day? I dream more than 200 calories. <laughs> all right? It just doesn't work in our lives, all right? So, so you've, got, you've got to come to that place where you understand that, that you, you are in that point and in that time where you replace evil with good. Look in Proverbs 3, 3, all right? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3. Again, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. You, you need to, you, you got this, number three is you've got to consciously change your thinking. Did you hear me? Consciously change your thinking it's biblical i just read it to you let love and faithfulness never leave you bind them around your neck write them on the tablet of your heart so you you begin to try to think differently you begin to bring in the good things you begin to bring in the godly things you begin to bring in those things mark 7 21 through 23 says for it is from within out of a person's heart that evil thoughts come sexual immorality theft murder adultery leaves all these things and verse 23 says all these evils come from inside and defile a person the bad stuff we think it all comes from outside the bible says the bad stuff comes from inside so you got to change the way you're thinking you can't say well nobody knows and I didn't get caught I must be okay the boss didn't catch me taking $45 out of the register but you build that habit 
And before you know it, you've embezzled thousands. And then when they check the books at the end of the year, you're going to be spending some time doing prison ministry. <laughs> then sign up for it, but that's what you're going to be doing. Can you, can you stand a couple of more? Because we, we need to get, we need to be real about this. We don't need to act like, well, it's somebody else's issue, it's not mine. We all struggle with something. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 11. Again, wise man here talking to us. Watch what he says. At the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and body are spent. You will say, listen to what he said, how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to my instructors. And I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. Wow. Let me, let me give you the fourth one. Become accountable. You, you, you have to be accountable to somebody. You say, well, I'm accountable to God. That's not good enough. I'll prove that to you in a minute out, out of the Word of God. Some of you don't believe it. God's, God's my accountability partner. No, you need. Now, let me say this to you. Don't get that perfect person as your accountability partner. You know, that one who has never sinned and never fallen short of the glory of God. Okay, they just act that way. I understand. They really have, but don't get them. Now, let me also say this. Don't get the guy or the gal who's in the same ditch you're in. You know, you got trouble with alcohol and you get, you know, you get an old running buddy who says, yeah, man, let's just go get a six-pack and let's just talk this over. <laughs> That's not who you need as your accountability partner. Get the guy who's been in recovery for five years. He knows where you're at, but he's not going back in the ditch with you. Do you know why 12-step programs work so well? That's exactly the reason right there is because you have a sponsor. You have somebody who you are accountable to. That's why they work. Now, they also, the, the ones that acknowledge a higher deity also have a little bit to play with that. But it's, it's that whole aspect of accountability. You say, well, I, I don't think it's that important. Well, let me, let me tell you what James says. James 5, 16 says this. Therefore, listen to what he says. Therefore, confess your sins to God. No, confess your sins to each other. Now, watch, watch the rest of this phrase. He says, confess your sins to each other so that you may be healed. Now, the last part of this verse, everybody quotes, the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. How many times have you heard that? The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. We, we hear that all the time, but we don't quote that first part of the verse. The first part of the verse says, confess your sins to each other. Be accountable to somebody else in your life. Be accountable. To, let somebody be in your life who can walk up to you and ask you any question and you're going to tell the truth. I heard recently a pastor talking about another pastor who, who, had, who had called a friend of his and said, over the next month, every night at 6 o'clock, I want you to call me and ask me what I did today. 
And he said over the next month, every day, this pastor would call this other pastor and say, what did you do today? And he'd go through the list. He said after it all got over with, he, he, they met somewhere. And they were, he said, why, why did you have me to do that? He said, because there was a situation with a woman in my church who I knew I had formed an emotional attachment with. And he said, I knew that I was at the precipice of going off the edge, but I didn't do anything because I knew every day at 6 o'clock I was going to get a phone call that said, what did you do today? Some of us need some people in our lives who we'll be honest with. Now, if you're going to lie about it, it's not going to help you. In fact, maybe that ought to be the next question. After they ask you, what did you do today? Then they need to ask you, what did you lie to me about? <laughs> right? But you need accountability. Let me give you the last one, Proverbs 16, 6. Are you learning anything today? I know this is practical stuff, but, but you know what? We're not in heaven yet. We're going there, but we need to get through here. Proverbs 16, 6, through love and faithfulness, sin is atoned for. Through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. I want to close with this today. Number five is understand mercy. Listen. The purpose of this sermon is not to put you on a guilt trip. The purpose of this sermon today is not so you walk out of here feeling lower than a dirty dog. That's not the purpose of this sermon. I want you to understand that if you are struggling, if there's something in your life that, that you say, man, I, I'd like to be rid of this. I don't enjoy this anymore. It's just a habit that I can't seem to break. Hear me. We understand. You know what the Bible says? God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son into the world so we'd be saved. And then another scripture says that he came not to condemn us. Ever read that scripture there where Peter comes to Jesus and he says to Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive a person in one day? Seven times? He's being really, you know, I mean, come on. You mess me over seven times in one day, I'm, I'm kind of at the end of it. Jesus looks back at him and says, no, Peter, 70 times seven. 490 times. Now, now, as Jesus saying, now, when he does it 491 times, kill him. Just wipe him out. That's not what he's saying, is it? He's telling Peter, listen, Peter, you have to live a life of forgiveness. Now, if the apostle Peter and you and I need to live that life of forgiveness, don't you think that God is bigger than your habit? Let me give you this scripture. We'll close. The Word of God says that His mercies are new when? Every morning. Every morning. Listen, I don't know how much mercy you used yesterday. But there was new mercy stored up for you this morning when you got up. You, you say, Pastor, are you encouraging people just to live a habitual lifestyle of sin? Of course not. The Apostle Paul said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin continue any longer therein? But you know what the Scripture says? Get it. The Word of God clearly says, if we sin... There is an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, whoever liveth to make intercession for you and for me. It's not how many times you get knocked down. 
It's how many times you get back up. If you went for six weeks and you fell off the wagon or whatever the wagon was, don't lay there and wallow in it. Get back up. Start all over. Begin to move into what God has for you. God's grace, God's mercy is bigger than your habit. God's plan is to pull you out of that thing that is destroying you. But I want to tell you, as long as you keep working on it, he'll keep working with you. He will help you. His mercy will be there with you. And he will enable you to come forth. And the word of God says at the end, you will come forth as pure gold, having been tested in the fire. Amen.